0: You're listening to the Living Presence Podcast, exploring faith, meeting the world, from East Gwillimbury, Ontario. Hello and welcome to Episode 10 of the Living Presence Podcast. I am your host, Brianne Swan, as well as the Community Minister with the Living Presence Ministry in East Gwilymbury, Ontario. So I hope that those of you who live in Southern Ontario survived the windstorm we had on Friday night. When my family and I drove home after an evening out, we discovered there is a certain amount of carnage that occurs when a windstorm happens to take place on recycling day. There were recycling bins from our subdivision tossed far across the street into a farmer's field. Recycling and compost. Shingles were missing from roofs, eaves troughs were missing from homes. The streets were littered with papers and food wrappings and all kinds of other disgusting stuff. Beverage cans were everywhere. And the upside was that I discovered some of my neighbors also share my love of Guinness. But it was really disgusting. One of the mandates and the missions of the Living Presence Ministry is to create an atmosphere in the new housing developments of East Gwilinbury where community can flourish. And one of the pieces of this community building is a monthly potluck meal we host in the borough, which is the name of the house and ministry site my family and I live in. At one of these meals, it was suggested that we create a WhatsApp group just for the people in our subdivision so it's easy to communicate with one another. This has been super helpful when buses have been canceled or there's been an obstacle on the roads that we need to avoid as the construction in our neighborhood continues. And the membership of this list continues to grow. After the storm on Friday, somebody in the group suggested that we have a big community cleanup. Messages started popping up with others chiming in that their families were on board, so on Saturday morning, about 10 families started walking up and down the streets, picking up our neighbors' trash and recycling, and trying to get the neighborhood cleaned up. My family had a lot of fun, and although we were all scattered across the subdivision working, it was nice to know that we were part of an emerging community of people who are becoming invested in and concerned for each other's well-being. It's really exciting to think we might be bucking the new suburban trend of big houses and social isolation. We even managed to rescue some of those flying recycling bins. The only downside to this morning was, I think my cell phone ended up accidentally being sent to the recycling depot the most expensive recycling drop-off ever. But whatever. Go community! In this episode, we'll be hearing Jesus talking once again about the importance of love and what it means to love one another. Our second reading is by Bengali polymath and poet Rabindranath Tagore. And both songs this week are performed by Michigan alt-folk duo Escaping Pavement. To start us off, this is their song Fuel the Fire from their 2016 album Night Owl. Sort of an Americana soundscape of our recent windstorm chaos. You can find Escaping Pavement online at www.escapingpavement.com. Why'd you call me out? would you call me out? Why'd you call me out tonight? Heard your name on the wind. It was something I could not fight. Oh, something I could not No place where the river is white and the water runs deep and cold. Just the way I would feel if I lost you and I hope I never know. Well, I hope I never know. I'm not there, don't bother waiting now, he's already got me in his side, he's already got me in his side. This is Brienne. I am sitting in an Ultramar gas station on Leslie Street in East Gwillimbury. It is pouring rain right now, and I'm looking at a lot of really sullen people who are getting very wet in the process of getting their gas, and look like they could use a little bit of love right now. And I am reading from the 15th chapter of John's Gospel, verses 9 to 17 from the New Revised Standard Version. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. I have said these things to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I do not call you servants any longer because the servant does not know what the master is doing. But I have called you friends because I have made known to you everything that I have heard from my father. You did not choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that my father will give you whatever you ask me him in my name. I am giving you these commands so that you may love one another. Okay guys, back to the Christian scriptures. We're still in Eastertide and find ourselves once again in the Gospel of John. The passage that I just read live from a gas station is part of a larger group of readings known as the Farewell Discourse. We are sitting with Jesus and the disciples right after Jesus has washed their feet. He's already gone through the reasons he needs to die and how that's going to happen, And now he's basically checking off the list of things he needs the disciples to know. Grab a pen and paper, dudes. Take some notes. This is the important stuff you'll need to understand in order to carry on with my mission. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. Now, I'm not sure if there are any other Harry Potter geeks out there, but this is the one scripture passage J.K. Rowland quotes in the series. It's in the seventh and final installment, The Deathly Hallows. Jesus goes on to make some more comments about friendships. He contrasts them against the slave and master relationship, which would have been well-known and well-understood at the time. The disciples are not his servants. They are his friends. The relationship is reciprocal. It is not only a one-way exchange. You did not choose me. I chose you. And every time I hear this passage, I think, Pikachu, I choose you! We have an interesting understanding of and relationship to Friendships in Western culture. We don't really prioritize them as much as we do other relationships, such as romantic relationships or family relationships. In general, we understand that romantic relationships need some sort of nurturing. They need to be cared for. Family relationships need attention also, but friendships, we don't really think of them as needing any sort of cultivation. They're just supposed to happen, and if they fall apart, well, you can always make more friends, right? I know when I first had kids and started missing my friends, most of whom were child-free at the time, I felt like I was being selfish in wanting to create the time to see them when I had so many other responsibilities nibbling away at my time. In fact, I still feel guilty when I carve out space in my schedule for coffee with a friend. Friends are nice and everything, but we're taught that as adults, they're not really foundational to our sense of well-being and purpose. In a culture where being busy is a symbol of status, we are often far too busy to nurture our friendships. This understanding of friendships is not universal. There are many areas of the world where friendships are given a great deal of priority. In Jesus' context, he is speaking of what's called a fictive kinship kind of friendship. Fictive kinship is a strong friendship without blood, marriage, or political ties. It is reciprocal and could imply that one would, in fact, lay down their life for their friend. It is a friendship with intense loyalty attached. So Jesus says the disciples are now his friends. They are not exactly equals the way John writes it. The disciples can be close to God if they are close to Jesus. And the way that they can be close to Jesus, the way that they can be his friend, is by following his commandment. And what is his commandment? At this point, it kind of feels like Jesus is speaking through a piece of old vinyl that just keeps skipping and saying the same thing over and over and over again. Love one another. Just do it. Love one another as I have loved you. Love one another with a remarkable, unfailing love that is risky, that is challenging, that has a cost. I recently returned from spending two weeks in Winnipeg, where I attend learning circles at the Centre for Christian Studies. One of our learning circles this term was about living into right relations with Indigenous peoples. Six days of exploring, being challenged by, and attempting to reconcile Canada's history of colonialism and cultural genocide. The church And the United Church had a huge role in this, as we were one of the denominations who ran residential schools on behalf of the Canadian government. One of our required readings was Richard Wagamese's book, Indian Horse, the film adaptation for which happens to be out in theaters right now. I cannot stress enough how much I recommend reading the book and seeing this film. A small group of us went to see the movie together. I told my husband, the film is great in the same way that Schindler's List is great. It is so well done, but the subject matter is such that I don't need to see it again for a very long time. For clarification, Other films I place in this category are Incendies, The Sweet Hereafter, and The Killing Fields. So Indian Horse was great, but I don't need to see it again for a while. And then I thought, wow, what a point of privilege that is, to just be able to say, yeah, what happened in the residential schools was awful. I'm going to choose not to be confronted with it for a little while because it's just too much. Sometimes I just shake my head at myself. Because for those who survive the residential school system, that movie can't just be shelved and returned to when convenient. That's not the way trauma works. And this was trauma that was inflicted upon children and their communities by those who professed to follow Jesus' example and who I'm sure expounded on the virtues of love to their students. In one particularly jarring scene, a new student is beaten by one of the nuns in the presence of a priest with a portrait of skinny white Jesus staring on, looking weary and somewhat forlorn. I can only imagine. I'm pretty sure Jesus would be weeping at the abuse of children who'd been kidnapped from their parents in his name. Weeping and raging in fury. So how on earth does an instruction to love people the way that Jesus loved to a point of completely putting oneself on the line turn into leaders of the church whipping small children? Our legacy has much to answer for. There is still much that needs to be answered for that cannot be confined into history books because it is not only history. And so what now? Osvaldo Vina is a professor at Garrett Evangelical Theological Seminary and perhaps unshockingly, Professor Vina sums the whole thing up far better than I ever could. The love God showed towards Jesus, he showed toward his disciples so they could show it to each other. When they love in this way, their love becomes impregnated with divine qualities. It is not just an emotional, cozy feeling, but a conscious decision to put yourself on the line and risk everything for the other. This kind of love will make sure that justice is done in the world. You will venture yourself from the safety of your community into the broader society to see that it is transformed by this sacrificial love that Jesus modeled for us. Justice is the shape love takes in society. Now these are some really beautiful and inspiring words, but how do we make them happen? What are we willing to put on the line for this just love to pour forth? In the context of right relationships, what does this mean? On a systemic level, there has been some talk within the United Church of either returning land or the proceeds from the sale of closed churches back to the nations indigenous to the area. That is a financial cost to a denomination that is continuing to decline in numbers and resources, but many feel it is the right thing to do. But on a personal level, what do we do about demonstrating a radical love? How do we demonstrate our love in real and tangible ways? For those of us who are not Indigenous, I wonder if sometimes putting ourselves on the line in love can be simply an act of solidarity, of calling out misconceptions and hate, especially if it's coming from people we're closest with. We can examine the ways in which we continue to benefit from the displacement of Indigenous peoples, and we can take the 94 calls to action from the Truth and Reconciliation Commission seriously and work towards implementing those with which we have some influence. In York Region, we can find out why the Chippewa of Georgina Island are protesting the proposed York Region Sewage Solution – and join in their efforts of asking for more research to be done on the effects the plant may have on the waters of Lake Simcoe. In other contexts, this kind of love is not a love felt on the sidelines. It is a love of participation, of getting our hands dirty. I see this love demonstrated in those who, week after week, visit men and women who are incarcerated and forgotten. I see it in those who wander the streets of Toronto on the coldest nights of the year, making sure those who don't have a place to call home are safe. And I saw a little glimpse of it with our community cleanup this weekend. Love is an action word. And letting J.K. Rowling sum the whole thing up, love is the strongest power there is. Thank you.
1: Seemed to love
0: you in numberless forms, numberless times, in life after life, in age after age, forever. My spellbound heart has made and remade the necklace of songs that you take as a gift, wear around your neck in your many forms, in life after life, in age after age, forever. Whenever I hear old chronicles of love, its age-old pain, its ancient tale of being apart or together, as I stare on and on into the past, into the end, you emerge, clad in the light of a pole star, piercing the darkness of time. You become an image of what is remembered. I have floated here on the stream that brings from the font, at the heart of time, love of one for another. We have played alongside millions of lovers, shared in the same shy sweetness of meeting, the distressful tears of farewell, old love, but in shapes that renew and renew forever day it is heaped at your feet it has found its end in you the love of all man's days both past and forever universal joy universal sorrow universal life the memories of all loves merging with this one love of ours and the songs of every poet, past and forever. Each episode, the Living Presence Podcast offers an opportunity for listeners to contribute to our Love for the World segment, where the worldwide community can lift up the people and places in need of alliance, awareness, and hope. Let us know who and where is on your minds this week. You can record your shout-out with your smartphone and email it to high at livingpresenceministry.org. Or you can leave a voicemail at area code 289 903 0019 Your responses will be added to the show and we are grateful for your contribution. As always there's been a lot going on over the past couple of weeks. Deborah in Stratford has asked that we keep in mind those around Fredericton who have been affected by the massive amounts of flooding taking place. Dana in Texas has asked that we pray for the family, friends, and victims of Eric Davila, who was executed on April 25th. She's also asked that we keep in mind the family, friends, and victims of Juan Castillo, who is set to be executed on May 16th. Many people have offered up the victims and the first responders from the van attack on Toronto's Yonge Street on April 23rd. Many people in our community have moved from or work in Toronto, and some of them very close to Mel Lastman Square. There were many Facebook and text messages with everybody checking in to make sure their friends and family were okay. I'd like to share with you the following prayer, which was offered by Rosedale United Church in the hours after the attack. God, there are no words for such times when community turns to carnage, when violence visits our city, when evil could shape our response to the news of 10 dead and 14 injured. But evil will not triumph. We say with more conviction than we feel. And in our honesty, we pray for mending of the wounded, for healing of the families of those killed, for justice. Evil will not triumph, we say with more conviction than we feel. And in our fear, we pray for courage, for strength, for hope, for guidance, for conviction to act and to love where there are no words. Be with those who hurt and all the families of those hurt and killed. Be with all of those who witnessed such a terrible set of acts. Be even with the man who did this, who took all these lives. And in their fear, we pray for courage, for strength, for hope, for guidance, for healing community for each and every one of those on Young Street. Amen. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. We'll be back next time with some talk about what it means to be both in the world and of the world while listening to some great new music and some fabulous poetry. Take care of yourselves and we'll see you next time. This podcast is brought to you by the Living Presence Ministry, a community ministry of the United Church of Canada. You can find us online at www.livingpresenceministry.org.